This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we will be talking with John Legere, professional engineer, MBA, structural engineer, and developer at Legere Engineering Partners about his journey on how he became a structural engineer and developer and how he ensures safety and regulatory standards on drawings. He also provides some great tips about pursuing a career in structural engineering and development. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle. And I'm your co-host, Rachel Holland. Before we go on here, a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Simpson Strong Tie. Simpson Strong Tie is a building industry pioneer dedicated to helping people design and build safer, stronger homes, structures, and communities. Simpson Strong Tie is making a positive difference for their customers through expert engineering, world-class test laboratories, and unrivaled technical support. We invite you to consider working alongside the many talented, passionate, and humble people who are all contributing to our shared mission in an environment that supports a healthy work-life balance. It's a place where you can connect, create, and build a career. Visit strongtie.com forward slash careers to learn about our culture and why Simpson Strongtie employees are our most loyal customers. Now let's jump into our conversation of the week with John. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Can you tell us about your background and how you became a structural engineer and a developer? Thanks for having me, first of all. And uh, yes, I uh, started in 2008 at Western University in Ontario, Canada here. And uh, yeah, I took structural engineering about four years, graduated there, worked in various industrial and commercial sectors. I've done high-rise design, stadium designs, anywhere from residential to commercial and industrial work. And uh, yeah, I ended up starting my own about 2017 and um, developing my network as a uh, structural engineer. And I found I started to also become a developer and a lobbyist for the Ontario government. So your network just takes you in different directions. And that's what happened to me. So you kind of have your hands in little different areas of it all. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you have to kind of control the projects and help your client the way I do best. And I, I don't just do the engineering and stop. If they need more help, I help them. If they're from another country and they want to build something here, I help them with the construction. I help them with the financing. I can help them with the government approvals and rezoning of the lands. So I just do what I can to help. And that led me to my career, right? I know structural engineers don't have too much experience with the developer part. Uh, how does the developer aspect play into uh, the business and what services, or how does that help the architect out as well? Every project's different. So I have projects such as uh, a Brampton project coming up, which is going to be a new cricket stadium. 
Now, I'm part of a consortium that I sit on the board of directors and I start from scratch from getting the land to lobbying with the uh, Brampton City Council to getting the project on the go. We have other consultants that help with this as well. Mainly, I do the structure in the end, but I've learned so much about the whole process that I can help these developers and I, I know so many of them that I can bring them on board for financing when the time comes, that sort of thing. So. It's just a mixed bag of, of what I was interested in. And I enjoy networking and, and going to parties and going to dinners and uh, meeting with the uh, Premier of Ontario and his uh, MPs and uh, ministers and uh, just learning how everything works. I, I like to know how everything works rather than just stay in my lane. So, and that's the benefit of being an entrepreneur and, and being on your own is that if you work for a company, you're kind of restricted in that regard. You're not really allowed to go to certain parties. You're, you know, just an engineer. So I like to think an engineer is more things. An engineer is a politician, is a businessman, is a developer in some sense, depending on how, what stake you have. You could, if you don't have money, you could use Sweat equity is what I call it. You could do your services up front and then for a percentage of the project later. So that's how I started becoming a developer. And then you get money and you can put your own money into it and you build from there, right? How do you ensure that your drawings, the drawings that you guys produce, meet the necessary safety and regulatory standards? It's uh, based on experience and following the codes as well as, uh, you know, the steel codes, the concrete code, wood codes, for structural engineering particularly, and also experience with designing these in the past and working with the, the cities and the various municipalities, the various uh, requirements of the sites, the site conditions, soil conditions, a combination of all those uh, parts of the puzzle and, and following the code and your experience with design would meet the safety requirements structurally. And there's also you know mechanical, electrical components of the building that we also do and our other departments would follow things like life safety and, uh, uh, you know, making sure there's uh, exiting requirements and doors open when the fire alarm goes off, things of that nature. So there's a lot of safety requirements, and it is in the code as well as it is in people's experience and, and sort of common sense, right? What were some of the biggest challenges as a developer and engineer? It seems like engineering has enough problems in itself, but... Now you're adding in all these other disciplines and bigger scope. What were some of the challenges that may be unique to those? Well, I found that I, I wanted to expand my network and I wanted to work on things that were more prestigious as well as uh, regular sort of high rises, regular residential and office buildings. I wanted to work on something that got my name out there, such as uh, a stadium. So I saw an opportunity with a group called Hugh Pegg in Hamilton who were leasing a uh, Cops Coliseum or First Ontario Centre, which is a stadium in Hamilton that's going to be renovated. And uh, I got in touch with them through, well, through a meeting of uh, mutual connections. Yeah, I started to work with them on the, the trusses and that sort of stuff that they gave me an opportunity. And I found that in order to get those opportunities, you have to give something as well. You can't just be sort of, you know, one guy in, in a hat to pick out of a hat. You have to offer something. So I offer things such as uh, financing for them with other connections of mine. I offered lobbying with the Ontario government on other projects. Uh, I offered a lot of meetings and introductions to other people of my network I knew, which you give some and you get some. So then they hired me for the project. And then we ended up uh, getting along well and, and forming another consortium for the Brampton Cricket Stadium uh, coming up soon. So there's a few projects that we're going to be partnering on. 
with them and the same group from Hupeg in Hamilton for the uh, Coliseum. That sounds like an exciting project. That's going to be a lot of people working on it. Yeah, it's going to be pretty prestigious. A couple partnerships um, to make that happen, but the Coliseum is happening now. And uh, particularly the Brampton project is going to be a similar model to that where we get land from the uh, Brampton City Council and uh, to develop a brand new stadium. So it's going to be interesting to see who's interested in that and finding the financing for that and designing it. So it's a few exciting projects coming up and uh, we have a lot of you know other stuff coming down the pipeline too that are really big and prestigious as well as uh, you know day-to-day work that we do uh, that is sort of less prestigious, I suppose. When you are, you know, looking at all these big projects and how you run your business, how do you see your work contributing to job creation in Canada? Oh, big time. I mean, uh, long term, politically, I'm involved with uh, some politicians who want to become developers, such as uh, Mayor Fred Eisenberger uh, from uh, Hamilton here. He was the previous mayor. He just uh, stepped down uh, for retirement, and we partnered with uh, Jasper Kuchewski, who does the HUPEG uh, with the Cops Coliseum. We're going to be doing uh, what we call a version of the Hudson Yards from New York City. We're going to be doing it in Hamilton over the CN Rail Lands, and uh, that's going to be huge for Hamilton because it's going to be an elevated slab with high-rises on it and a whole community and a, and a, a central sort of downtown Hamilton off to the on the harbor side of things. So we don't actually have a city center at the moment. It's going to be high rises. It's going to be turned into high rises uh, in the center. So it's just been sold and shut down as of uh, December. So we actually have no city center. And um, this will be the new city center within the next sort of 10 years. So that's another thing that's going to be sort of announced maybe in the next six months or so when we get that consortium sorted out. So that's basically our goal is to, to help politically and engineering-wise to revamp Hamilton and uh, make it a better place for everyone. So there's a lot of things going on already in Hamilton on top of these projects that is just uh, in combination is going to be pretty monumental for the economy and helping people get jobs, construction, as well as other jobs. There's going to be new malls, that sort of thing. So... Hamilton's going to be back on the map, I'd say, in another 10 to 15 years for sure. Having impact on different scales in terms of, as a developer, you're making that project happen, but also as engineers, you know, you're making, you're engineering it. So I think that's pretty cool how you're pretty much in all the steps on how to get like a building up there and how to help the community. I think from your perspective, getting it all the way from the developer aspect, all the way to the engineering and then to the construction, uh, I think that's pretty cool. It's very helpful for them, as for everyone as well. That's why they've started to bring me on to these bigger projects and partner with me is that I can tell you what's feasible or not. I can look at the uh, soils information for the Harbor Project and tell you, yes, we can do this. Whereas a lot of people spend a lot of money preliminarily uh, doing these renderings, getting funds with the, their dreams, and, the, and they discover that they can't actually do it because it costs too much or it's not even feasible at all. Having structural engineering uh, and architecture on your side from the beginning uh, stages is helpful in in saving time and pointing you in the right direction to make sure the project can be done. So that's why I found that it's very useful to be on the the starting end of things, as well as the the finishing end. And I know you mentioned a a lot of uh, cool projects already. Are there any projects that you're particularly proud of and what makes them stand out from the rest for you? 
the biggest sort of lifelong project is going to be the harbor development project. If you look online about uh, Hudson Yards in New York City, how they did big platform on top of the uh, existing rail yards, we'll learn more about how that's done. And um, to partner with the former mayor and Jasper Kuchowski on this project is probably going to be the highlight of my career for sure. And it's going to take a long time, but it's it's a very exciting project to bring development to Hamilton, to, to the city I was born in, to make it back to what it used to be. The trajectory is on post-World War II, and, you know, we kind of got lost for a little bit, a couple decades there, and uh, people sort of forgot about Hamilton, but we're going to be back in line with Toronto and the rest of the cities no time, right? Do you have any strategies that you use to go about staying current uh, with like the latest trends or like continuing education, like growing professionally? What do you personally do? I'd say hire people that are better than you. Don't be afraid to partner with other firms and partner with other construction companies that are on the up and up to learn more. Doesn't mean that they're going to take the project away from you or that you're going to be lose money. Just uh by trying to keep everything in-house. I'd say be open to partnerships if you can't learn it on your own because it's with experience. Hire the people that are good at that part of the project and uh, always hire people that are smarter than you. Seems like you're you know, the entrepreneur. And I noticed you have your MBA as well, right? So did the MBA help you in any way in terms of that? Or was it just kind of like figuring out your own way, getting creative, networking? I guess, how did the MBA help you? I think it helped in the sense that it was an international program I went to in Dubai and I met one student from a different country uh, all around the world and I saw a different perspective on multiculturalism and I'm very supportive of uh, diversity in the office place and using different perspectives other than, you know, the same old sort of status quo. So I think it really opened up my eyes to what I needed to do in terms of becoming an entrepreneur after 2016 or 2017, starting my business up, having the freedom to, you know, go to another country or, or even sub out some work to another country and just thinking outside the box and having that freedom of an entrepreneur to think and innovate is really what changed after that. Is And also, you know, the typical running of a company, accounting, etc., business development, you know, a couple of tools there that you can use. But mainly, I think it's just the freedom to think and innovate, as opposed to sitting at a company where your goal is to do things faster and cheaper, right? So that's so interesting. You actually moved to Dubai for your MBA program for, is it, was it two years or a year? Or? It was an accelerated program, it was just over a year. It was a great time. I, I, I liked Dubai. I golfed at the Emirates course uh, about twice a week. And you know, it was almost it was kind of like a member there. So I got to got to meet, you know, people that are in the business in different businesses around the world, different perspective on things. But uh, in the end, I found home was, was where my heart was. And I'm using those skills to help Hamilton, right? For engineers that want to get into development, do you have any advice for them that kind of want to see where and how a project starts to get into that field? Be open to sweat equity, the idea of sweat equity, if you can, because that's one way to get involved in a project is to do designs or preliminary designs at uh, minimal cost, if you can, to help partner and sign on to a project for a percentage later on. If you have that option, that's a good way to make money and save the money because you get the paid later, right? 
So if you have that opportunity, I'd say explore that opportunity. Also get involved with your local government. Learn how to rezone lands, how things work. Just just generally be open. Don't be too judgmental. Take on people's work and listen to what they have to say and until you find something that is uh, works for you. Thank you so much for providing insightful information today. If listeners wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, you can reach me by email or you could look me up on, on my website, LegereEngineeringAllOneWord.com. It's L-A-Z-I-E-R engineering.com and then my email is directly on there yeah you can look at my webpage if you have any questions just send me an email thank you so much john thanks for having me on I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 99, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Until next time, we wish you the best in all your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.